Artificial intelligence is helping us work smarter and faster in every industry, from clothing to cars. But can artificial intelligence help us build better artificial intelligence? In this episode of Uptech Report, I interviewed Jeffrey Haney, the CEO and co-founder of Pinpoint, a company that uses AI to help software developers gain better insights, improve efficiency, and deliver stronger results. And Pinpoint even uses their product to help improve their own product. Jeffrey discusses his efforts to build a common language to better communicate the process of software development and the challenges of being at the forefront of his field. Thanks, Jeff, for, for joining us. I'm excited to learn more about Pinpoint, kind of the, the speciality in the area that you guys are focusing on and using your technology to make the world a better place. And you, as an uh, entrepreneur, as a, as a leader, how are you innovating? How are you growing? To, to start us off, tell me, where did you start? What, what year did Pinpoint start, and where are you guys located? Uh, just a few years ago, um, and we're currently headquartered in Austin, Texas, although we have people um, in a few different places. Sort of are you culture. Uh, bootstrapped or VC funded? Uh, we're venture capital funded. Venture yeah. capital, okay. How big is your team now? We're a little over th uh, 35-ish right now, so nice. not, not too terribly big. Still okay. pretty small. Small, but, but uh, you're able to do mighty things with the team, right? That's right. So tell me right. more about the, the industry that you're, you're playing and kind of the, the role that you're serving in that industry. Yeah, so we're trying to go after um, a new category. We're trying to create, if you will, a category we call engineering performance management and really trying to help software leaders uh, better understand what's happening inside the software engineering development process inside their companies. So what does it look like? What pain point are you able to then solve for those uh, engineering uh, yeah, so the, I mean, the biggest problem as an engineer, me and my co-founder started the company because we're engineers, long-time engineers, and have started many companies and, and really struggle with engineering itself because engineering is such a black box, right? And so we're trying to really help uh, business people, technology leaders, really un, un, you know, demystify, if you will, uncover what's happening inside the software factory. And the way we do that is we think about software as a pipeline. If you thought about software, you know, so idea, at the end of the day, ideas sort of go into the top of the pipeline and sort of what comes out hopefully is working product, um, free from defects and, you know, do, doing all the fun, cool features that you'd built for it. Uh, hopefully achieving the business outcomes. But the problem is sort of what's what happens in the in, sort of in the middle of the pipeline is pretty mysterious, uh, especially to non-technical people. And what we're trying to do is really help illuminate what happens inside that funnel or inside that software pipeline. Uh, and then by doing that, we can actually create, if you will, a common way that people talk about software as a business um, and help them understand a common, if you will, a common uh, vocabulary about, you know, how the software as a business operation works. What does the the package or pricing and then the end solution for that, what does that look like for them? Yeah, I mean, it's a typical SaaS product, basically. So it's it's licensed on a SaaS annual subscription basis, uh, delivered over the cloud, like most SaaS products. And, it, and it's priced on a, on a sort of per uh, user basis, the number of users that we track data against, so not mm -hmm. the end users that use our product, but the number of sort of, if you will, data subjects or people that we track um, the data against. That's how we license it. How many customers do you have right now on your platform? We have a handful of uh, customers, a few big customers. Um, we're still in pretty early. You know, we were in private alpha for a couple of years and with some paying big customers that we, you know, one of the challenges with building this type of company is a data analytics company and you need real data, especially for building our machine learning. So 
Um, we, we spent the first couple of years really just invested in a handful of companies that we could get their data, work with them, kind of refine the product. Uh, and over this past year, we've really started to add new customers and, and really looking to grow, grow, if you will, the external uh, opportunity. For one of your average um, companies, what's like the, the number of users that you end up tracking data for? Usually it's in the, you know, we, we, we're trying to go after, uh, uh, you know, a broader segment. So um, today it's usually in the multi-hundred um, size developers that they would have. Um, a lot of our new growth um, and new pipeline that we're adding, a lot of interest is in smaller companies. So companies all the way down to 20, 30 developers, we found that um, it's been quite quite uh, a good product. We use Pinpoint for ourselves. We like to say we're customer zero. Um, and so, you know, we're 20-ish engineers and, and data scientists. And so we've been trying to eat our own dog food uh, and trying to build the product for ourselves first uh, with this idea that if we can use it ourselves and, and sort of, you know, if it could scale, if you will, down to even relatively small teams, then you can certainly scale it up to much, much larger companies. As you get bigger, the problems, of course, get magnified and they become different. Uh, in some ways, but the core infrastructure, the core algorithms, core data, uh, things like that are pretty much the same, whether it's a, a 10 person development company or a 10,000. If you had to give an analogy to what this does for someone who's non-technical, what would you, how would you explain Pinpoint? I mean, I, I think the easiest analogy, especially for business people, is just money ball for software. If you, if you sort of see what happened with uh, baseball and, and professional sports in general, you know, when analytics came onto the scene, um, you know, many years ago now, but when analytics came onto the scene and we started really leveraging analytics for how we actually um, built high performance, uh, you know, teams uh, and how you pick players and how you sort of figured out sort of how to track and where to, where to sort of play the game differently because of analytics. Um, I think, you know, engineering is probably a good analogy to that um, if you just sort of use a, a, you know, sort of sports analogy. If I read correctly on your site, you're it's supposed to be very easy on the actual company that puts it in. It should just connect to the existing uh, platforms and tools they're using and just takes tracks the data there. Did I capture, capture that right? That's right. I mean, you could think of it like telemetry. So we, 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 we sort of integrate into your existing uh, engineering stack. Um, so if it's a GitHub or a GitLab or if it's a Jira or if it's a, you know, you know whatever your CICD tool, et cetera, um, and so we, we, the first onboard is we basically, once you give us permission, um, you know, via, usually via OAuth, or if you're on-premise, you might use an API token or some sort of shared key. Um, once we get access to your data, we basically go back to all, you know, all of time. So we look at all your historical data uh, using the publicly available APIs for those products. Um, we pull all the data into our system. Um, and then of course, we, we, we sort of have a real-time pipeline that then processes that data um, you know, uses machine learning models, things like that to then create basically ultimately an application that the customer interacts with uh, mainly today via the web. So a desktop application that they would, uh, you know, SaaS cloud delivered application that they would log into. Um, and so what's nice is it's sort of, you know, from day one, you can get immediate visibility and, and, and capability and value. You don't have to go spend six months deploying it and, and changing behavior and doing a bunch of things to, to be able to get value out of it. We can look immediately at what's been happening over the last two or three or four or 10 years. Um, and you can see through pinpoint. And then of course, through that, then you can start to actually figure out where do you want to invest your energy and maybe where are things you want to change or improve and, and, and start to use pinpoint to really help you get that. The 
machine learning then, which you said you the first kind of year, so you were focusing on and and, and uh, uh, fine tuning. Uh, has that been an interesting process? How how has that developed now? Because that's what allowing yeah. to give you the results. Yeah, it's interesting. So you know, there's sort of good news and bad news for us on I would say the machine learning data science side. So on the on the sort of the good news is that these problems were going after somewhat toy problems today in artificial intelligence machine learning. Uh, meaning um, we have highly structured data. Um, if you think about it, you know, a JIRA ticket, if you, you to use a simple example, has a lot of interesting labeled information. It's got priority and owner and team and due date and all kinds of things, probably things like components that may be related, maybe it has links to other issues. So there's there's a whole graph of data that's highly that's highly typed um, and 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 it's not um, and it's highly structured. So um, now there's no, there's usually no correlation between that thing and all the other data that sort of exists that we we pull in. So that's where it sort of starts to get really interesting. Um, the second part is uh, the the sort of harder part, the, maybe the the opportunity for us, but certainly the the challenge from a from an engineering standpoint is that, you know, there is no there's not really a huge body of of technology that exists out there to do what we do. It's not like you know self driving car and there's a whole bunch of NIST data sets or things like that you can just sort of pull off the shelf with a bunch of algorithms that you just really need to tune and and do feature engineering and things like that. So we've really had to actually create. Um, you know, we've had to sort of create and invent a lot of things. Like, how do you analyze source code? Um, how do you extract, you know, sort of meaning out of get blame data, things like that, that sort of build a model. Uh, and then a lot of sort of iteration around, you know, what is interesting, uh, what can be used to actually do predictions or forecasting, what can be done to, to look at things like code risk, um, you know, how, how do we sort of take all this, you know, sort of unrelated data from a data model standpoint and create relations and correlations and, and try to figure out causality and things like that. And so um, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting um, scientific and engineering problem because, you know, we're, we're sort of inventing a, how to do these things. And, and the only way you can do that is just a huge amount of iteration. Any learnings that you can share on an overall basis of growing now, actually two, two companies, um, of insights, of hurdles you had to overcome that other entrepreneurs uh, and, and leaders can learn from? Yeah, you know, I guess I got, I got a lot of lessons learned. I mean, you know, typically entrepreneurs, you just make tons of mistakes, um, even even when you know what you're doing, you know, and I guess that's part of the journey is, right, you know, there, there's no roadmap to what we're doing. I mean, there's a, there's a sort of, I would say, a general uh, thesis about how you build startups and how you raise money and sort of how you build sort of the, you know, sort of get to market with an MVP and things like that. And of course, any company does that, but sort of in the sausage making, there's all kinds of, of things that happen and that, that just aren't obvious. Um, and so, you know, partly what we've just tried to do is, you know, you, you hire the best people you possibly can, um, you know, sort of empower them to understand what the mission is and what the vision of the company is and kind of what we're trying to achieve and try to find sort of customers early enough that, that sort of buy into that vision and early adopters in general that will work with you and, and sort of work through, through it with you to sort of become design partners. Um, and then we just do a lot of iteration, right? You just sort of have to like iterate like crazy because, you know, partly you're trying to get product market fit. Um, you're trying to sort of build a culture and a, and a company around sort of this idea um, and ultimately trying to sort of figure out how do I build something profitable that can scale, that creates value for my end customer. Uh, and then we can actually, you know, build something long-term and sustainable. And that, that just, that doesn't happen because you read a book or, you know, you sort of go off and do exactly what you said you were going to do because 
you know, what you think about doing in the very beginning and how it sort of ebbs and flows and how it evolves as you execute, um, you've got to be really sort of dynamic in that and, and, and really kind of keep your ear to the ground. And so, you know, that's sort of what, you know, my, you know, uh, I would say uh, operation has been for the last, you know, several um, venture back companies I've built and, um, and, you know, success is never guaranteed. So you just try to do the best you can to listen to the customer, listen to your culture as a company and, and try to build the best thing you can. Looking forward from here, you have a vision of, of the direction. What, where do you see uh, pinpoint in, in five years from now? I, you know, in five years, I mean, you know, who knows, right? So for me, it's like, I think in five years, it could be a substantial company. I think we can create a category that a lot of people use our software. Um, I think we think we can create a platform and an ecosystem around that software that, you know, that, that allows a, you know, not just what kind of innovation we can do in our own product, but, you know, sort of an ecosystem of, of partners and, and people around us that can help us create value around our product. Um, if it's going to be a, a very large, which we think it's going to be a multi-hundred billion dollar opportunity long-term because this is a big category. You know, like I said, we've got a vision and a roadmap, if you will, but it's, it's sort of hard to know. I mean, one of the things that's hard about building a new category um, if you're building something better that already exists, right, you've got a very good understanding of the market, the the budgets maybe that customers have, kind of the limitations that the market might have or the products that are out there. When you're building a new category, it's literally greenfield, right? So uh, one, one of the awesome opportunities is that because it's greenfield, you can sort of design what you want and sort of sort of build what you what you vision into and 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 sort of get you know sort of market feedback, but also customers don't know what they don't know and they don't know what they want and they don't know what they need. So there's a, it's a it's a very much an a missionary evangelical sort of early opportunity where you're trying to help them, but they need to also help you, right? If you ask them exactly what they need, you, and, and you go build that, you won't you know you won't build a, a new category, right? You'll yeah. you'll sort of prevail the proverbial faster you know mule, um, you know. So um, you know for us it's a little bit like um, you know really trying to sort of work to solve really you know we want to be a, you know an aspirin not a vitamin. We really want to solve real problems, but we also have to recognize that today people don't have this. So, you know, we need to also educate the market, um, help our customers understand the value that we know they they, they will get, um, and also sort of help them, if you will, sort of bring this into their organization. Um, and then as they mature themselves and as the overall market matures, um, then of course things will actually continue to, you know, sort of evolve much more rapidly. You're having to take on the ability to innovate and think of new ideas. How do we structure this? How do you innovate? What do you, where do you look for for new ideas and new ways uh, and thinking of solving problems? <laughs> yeah, so our, you know, probably our biggest challenge is we have no shortage as entrepreneurs and technical entrepreneurs, and and ultimately sort of the end user of a product like this is sort of no, no shortage of of probably good ideas, and that's probably the hardest part we we have is really trying to distill like what is really truly a good idea and really innovative because um, we can sort of virtually do anything uh, and probably we should, we should virtually do very few things and we should do very few things, but do it really, really good. And that's probably the hardest part of any startup, right? We could, we could do virtually anything. We have sort of this unlimited uh, supply of ideas and, and, and the data um, to sort of do interesting things. So trying to find, if you will, the sort of thread and the needle between, you know, what you can do and what you should do and where the highest value that really solves real problems to the customer and what would sort of be a nice to have and maybe isn't really super, you know, super valuable. Um, you have to try a lot of things, which we do, get a lot of feedback, um, 
and then you have to be willing to sort of iterate and sometimes throw things away or start over from scratch. And that's kind of how we do it. Um, me and my co-founder have been pretty good at doing this for a long time. We, you know, it's our third company together. You know, we've been doing it a lot of time. And so, you know, uh, I think our willingness to sort of, you know, be creative, but also sort of listen to the sort of customer, what the customer is asking for, not necessarily what they're saying they want, but sort of what their really problems are, what they're trying to solve for, and then trying to you know build something towards that. Um, and that's kind of how we do innovation. Any podcasts or books or audiobooks that you're reading or listening to right now? Yeah, I, in podcast wise, I've been I, I pretty much my daily podcast is Software Engineering Daily, um, which is a pretty popular podcast Jeff does, and and uh, you know it's got a pretty good range of topics, m more technical, and sometimes you know the, there are some business or product oriented uh, conversations, but often they're more technically in, inclined or new products or new ideas and things like that. So uh, that's that's one vehicle for me to kind of keep in in touch with what's happening and, and new information that's happening kind of real time um i do listen uh shamelessly i listen to you know uh andreessen horowitz's uh they have a few they have a pretty good podcast and they have some pretty good content uh, especially for startup oriented entrepreneurs that are thinking about how do you build scale of companies and um so i'd say those are probably the two biggest things that i'm that i'm focused on from a podcast i do listen to a ton of podcasts those are the things that i listen to on a podcast basis thank you so much for sharing all this great insight where can people yeah. go to learn more and what would you recommend as the first step for them yeah it's easy just go to pinpoint.com um and uh you know first step would be you know read some of our content give us feedback tell us what you're thinking about and you know we'd love to help and awesome. i'm easy to find on twitter and pretty much anywhere else so that concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you're subscribed to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app.